Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. March is here. Spring is sprung. Not really, but in my head, March 1st, the official day of Betsy's spring. It's never too early to start celebrating the warmth. And I have crocuses in full bloom in my yard, and I'm embracing what's happening here. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope things are going well for you. Um, without further ado, let me dive into your questions because ever since I put out the call for mailbag submissions, you guys have heeded that call and I am so grateful. So now I have lots of things to dig into. My first question comes from Jamie who writes, hi, Betsy. It is like Christmas day when you say that the mailbag is getting light. I have several concerns about my Phoenix home and I thank you in advance for your thoughts. Our style is comfy contemporary and we love color. We love geometric shapes. First, I have a backsplash question. We have an open concept kitchen dining living area. Our kitchen has natural maple cabinetry with no backsplash and it lacks the pizzazz we desire. Also, it is a major wood fest. We need to break it up. I want to have my woodworker husband build floating shelves to the right of the cabinets, which would extend to the edge of the quartz countertop. Would it be crazy to tile all the way up to the ceiling? We are considering white subway tile with black grout in a herringbone lay, but we're certainly open to other options. All right, Jamie, I'm going to dig into this first question. So I'm looking at the pictures of your of your kitchen. Thanks so much for sending those in. I do agree that this could use a backsplash. It is very open to your living room. It's quite conspicuous. And there's no delineation between the edge of the kitchen and the start of the living room besides this peninsula countertop. 
I do not think that it is appropriate for you to go all the way up to the ceiling with the tile for that reason. If there was a wall, a cutoff, I might be open to it. But the other thing that's giving me pause is that above your cabinets, there is a space of about 10 inches. Your cabinets do not go all the way up to the ceiling. If you were to tile all the way up to the ceiling, well, you'd have to go above those countertops, making that gap up there even more conspicuous. I only like people to tile all the way up to the ceiling if your cabinets go up to the ceiling because otherwise you're going to have to tile that weird little strip and it's going to look bizarre. The other thing that I think will look bizarre is if you do these floating shelves. I'm open to it, but after listening to my episodes, Jamie, don't you know by now floating shelves are not my bag. It's tchotchke land. What are you going to put on there? How's it going to be appealing? How's it going to help transition you from the kitchen to the living room? If you feel you can make them look appealing and you do have a woodworking husband, I'm open to it. Um, Otherwise, I would say just end the tile at the bottom of the cabinets and be on your way in terms of that backsplash. If you do choose to do the floating shelves, which I'm not entirely opposed to, but I'm also not super enthusiastic about, the good thing about doing them is... Okay, I'm trying to think of a good thing about doing them. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you could extend the backsplash underneath the bottom shelf if, say, it were in line with the bottom of the cabinet. That might make some kind of visual sense and seem to elongate your kitchen. Other than that, I don't see the allure. So, Jamie, I hope I answered that question. Let's move on to your next one. Second, you write, my peninsula question. I have seen some peninsulas with tile on the backside, and I want to do this to ours if you agree. I have children who like to kick while they are at the bar. So this could be a great way to protect the cabinets while offering design and breaking up all that wood. I'm thinking black and white triangles would be the best. It would be nice to consider different tile. Or should we murder this idea altogether? Jamie, you are combining two of my favorite things, crime and tile. Yes, I cannot wait. By the way, a little shout out, little plug for CrimeCon 2020. I will be there in Orlando, May 1st through 3rd. And I will be there with my clues, my questions for all my favorite investigators. Perhaps I'll see you there. So if you see me with my tote bag and my name badge, feel free to stop me in the halls of the Orlando Convention Center and say, hey. All right, let's get back to your tile question. So, this brings me or reminds me that you asked another question or you brought something up in your first question and I want to address it. You said you were going to do white subway tile and herringbone pattern with black grout. Uh, White subway tile is kind of uninspired for me. It's really sold out. It's super cheap. Um, I think it's going to look, even though classic subway tile will maybe never be outdated. I think it's going to look a little overplayed in about five to 10 years. In my opinion, it looks overplayed right now. The only redeeming quality here is that you are going to put it in a herringbone pattern. So at least it will look somewhat more interesting than everyday subway tile that's bricklaid or alternating. Uh, 
because there's not so much space between the bottom of the cabinet and where the backsplash would be because it's kind of a smaller space you'd want smaller tiles so the typical subway tile format at three by six is really the biggest I would go um, and I do feel because you have such a small space back there that the herringbone pattern is going to get cut up quite a bit. So it might lose its impact. I really don't like the idea of you using black grout with white subway tile. It is a look. It is a look that really works in kind of an old fashioned space, like let's say a brick oven pizza restaurant, let's say a vintage Brooklyn bagel store, but the contrast is just too high, especially because you have stainless steel and brushed nickel hardware in your kitchen. And so I really would prefer you go with something more subtle like a gray grout. I don't love a white grout in a kitchen because there is a lot of splash, right? Whether it's marinara sauce or grease and grout, even if it's grout that's washable, can easily absorb those stains. So I do think picking something that's not white is a great idea. I think black is too severe. Heed my warning. Let's talk about the peninsula. So yes, tiling under a peninsula is a popular thing to do. It is a whole lot of look, right? And also most people are not doing it on cabinetry. If you look at pictures of tiled peninsulas online, you will see that most of them are done on a pony wall or a sheetrocked wall and not on the back of cabinetry. I do think it's going to look a little bit weird from the side and you can easily see the side the minute you walk in the front door because it's such an open concept space. But I think it's going to look unusual that you have brick tile or whatever tile you're planning to do on one face and then you have the cabinetry on the other face. That being said, the back of your cabinets is not cute. There's this um, seam cover, right, that comes down and it really breaks up the look and is not all that attractive. So I'm not opposed to putting tile on the back of this in this case, but I would not make it a showpiece with triangular tile. Rather, I would want it to just kind of recede into the background in this case. And what I would do is replicate the tile from the backsplash since there's not very much backsplash. I would just keep it going with what you have. And I do think that the herringbone subway tile would look nice in this instance. So I hope that helped. And again, go for that gray grout. All right, your third question. Betsy, this is my drapes question. In our living room, just off the kitchen, we have a sliding glass door with long drapes. These are white with a large navy geometric design running vertically. The walls in front of the house have blinds only right now. This begs the question, should I buy drapes to match the sliding door or should I just go with plain white or navy? Perhaps I could get away with no drapes on the front window at all. I know that a fully dressed window has both blinds and drapes, but in some circumstances you are fine with blinds only. So I would love to know your thoughts. Yes, your sliding door is right smack dab in the middle of your living room. It looks really weird 
I'm just pulling no punches today. It's Saturday and I'm feeling punchy. It looks really weird that you have treated your screen door, which is a mere eight feet away from these windows in the living room. You must, must, must treat these windows with drapes. The blinds were the optional component here. And you must, must, must treat them with the same drapes. Now I'm going to call you out because in your pictures, which are very helpful to illustrate this situation, your drapes have a huge puddle on the floor. I mean, I think there's a six inch puddle going on here. And unless you are, you know, designing a plantation house like Gone with the Wind, unless you are designing a chateau in France, a six inch puddle is too, too much. If anything, you can have one inch past the floor, but certainly not all this fabric lying in heaps on your carpeting. So I want you to get these drapes hemmed so that they brush the floor or extend one inch past I want you to do two drapes per window on the living room windows. And because these living room windows are a little bit small in width, I would say 30 inches just by eyeballing it, you will want to hang the drapery significantly outside the window on each side so it doesn't encroach on the window and eat up all of your natural light. I would suggest hanging the drapes as high as you've done with the slider and then hanging them at least six to eight inches out on each side of the window. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. Let's move on to question number four. Betsy, my master bedroom headboard and feature wall question. Wow, that is a mouthful. I know that this question title makes you cringe and I am not wanting an accident wall, but the bed's positioning is begging for a statement wall behind it in between the windows. Am I right? What would you think of framing a large area with wood and wallpapering inside of it in a geometric pattern? Whew. My husband and I will be building us a headboard and the style, color, and height of it will be TBD. For now, we have a headless bed and naked windows. The horror. Betsy, I apologize for the abundance of questions and I appreciate you taking the time to answer them. My calla lily light bulbs, or I'm sorry, 
<laughs> I've got light bulbs on the brain. My calla lily bulbs just started peeking through too, and it is exciting. Spring is almost here. Thank you for all of your professional insight. I love your podcast. I love your book. Have a great day. Well, Jamie, you're trying to butter me up with all those compliments, but I'm about to give you a smackdown. You have graphic geometric bedding. You may not have graphic geometric wallpaper behind this bed. Now, just because your husband is a woods craftsman, which I am deeply excited about and so grateful for you for, does not mean that you need to trick everything out. In this case, there's already a lot going on on the wall behind your bed. There's two windows that are between 36 well, 30 and 36 inches wide. You're gonna have nightstands, you have plants. There's a lot already happening here. You may not, not, not have an accident wall. You may, however, have a headboard. In fact, I think you should. Now, I also think that you need to treat these windows with drapes because they do look naked and it does make the room feel cold and not cozy. Uh, so first, put drapes on the windows. Then you'll see how much space you have left between the two windows for that headboard. And then you're going to do just a typical headboard. I do think that bedrooms become wood factories. You've heard me say this before because there tends to be a lot of wood furniture in a bedroom, be it the nightstands, the dressers. Typically, most things made with drawers are going to be made of wood because it's easier to manipulate wooden drawers than say metal drawers or acrylic drawers or something like that. So bringing in more wood with a wooden headboard would not be my preferred way to go here. Just buy an upholstered headboard on Wayfair and call it a freaking day. There you go, Jamie. There you go. You asked for it. And I'm very excited about your calla lilies and thank you for encouraging my early spring enthusiasm. Let me move to my next question, which is from Amy. Amy writes, Betsy, I started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago. I love it and I am learning a lot. I do have a challenge. We're currently remodeling our basement. Once it's finished, it will be our TV game room. My husband's, oh man, it got cut off, home office space and guest room. And we had some water damage last summer, which required us to tear out everything down to the foundation walls and expose horrible asbestos tile beneath the old carpeting. The renovation was forced on us, but I decided to make lemonade out of lemons and at least make it prettier than it was. Now that we have the walls up, it is time for the fun stuff. We used shiplap to cover the entire wall of brick where the fireplace is, and eventually there will be a chunky wood mantle above the firebox. I've chosen a warm gray carpet color, luxury vinyl tile in the high traffic hallway area, and a mid-tone gray cement texture color. And we also chose a pretty but simple pattern tile to put on the hearth. Here's where I'm stuck. What color should the wall be? The room is fairly narrow, 19 by 12. It has almost no natural light. I want this room to feel cozy and warm, but not dark and cold with all the gray. Would the room be too stark and all white? I always imagine the shiplap remaining white, but if the walls were a different color, should I paint the shiplap as well? 
Also, how should I treat the two small ice block windows? All right, let me let me start there because there's more questions to come. Okay, so looking at your space, I first want to say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry that your basement had this water issue. I'm worried that it might happen again. I myself, in my childhood home, we had a water issue in the basement and it ruined so many of my childhood things. My yearbooks, my homework, my stuffed animals, and it's devastating and it has certainly made me a little gun shy around basements. You don't sound gun shy at all. You are totally back in the carpeting game. You are installing new walls and I hope that you have made it waterproof so that nothing bad happens again. I'm just one bit twice shy about basements now. All right, so you ask a lot of questions here. Let me go back up here and dig in. So renovation questions are really hard to ask a podcaster because there is a lot of money involved in renovations. So these are not questions that should be answered by somebody who reads your question and gives it five to 10 minutes of thought. This is thousands of dollars and I want you to give it some deep thought. That being said, if you are going to have a wall that's different than the other walls, say shiplap versus your other um, walls that are perhaps sheetrock, right? Then you want to make it look different. You don't want to make it look the same because it is different. That's the whole point of an accent wall or accident wall, as I like to call them, is that it would contrast from the other walls. So do make it a different color. I worry in a narrow basement that gets no light, that has gray tile on the floors, that it is going to start to feel cold if you do a gray paint color. So, you know, you don't want to necessarily do a cream paint color with gray flooring, but I might choose to do a grayish that is on the much warmer side because you don't want this to feel like a dark cave. You want it to feel inviting and cozy and adding warm walls can help help a cold basement to feel more warm. Um, in terms of the fireplace, you know, you have a lot of questions about tile. And it is so hard for me to kind of understand how it's all coming together. One thing that I would say is try and keep it simple, classic, and clean. You know, this space is small at 19 by 12, so you don't want to put all your ideas down here. Stick to one strong statement. Maybe that's that patterned tile. Then keep everything kind of clean and basic around it. Yeah, I mean, don't. Don't, I don't want to use this analogy, put lipstick on a pig, but you don't want to overgild the lily. You know, just in a basement, you want it to feel clean, cozy, warm, not cold and dingy. So don't really over design, if you will. Okay. Anyway, in terms of the ice block windows, they are high. They don't go low. So it would look really weird to put drapes on these because they're what? Two feet by three feet. They're four inches from the ceiling and about six inches or six feet, excuse me, from the floor. So there's really not much to do here. 
Um, you could do an outside mounted blind or an inside mounted blind, but there is an opening in the ice block and I can't tell if the window turns in or out. I would just leave well enough alone and not do anything on these ice block windows. They're very unusual and they're very small. They're inconsequential. So let's ignore them because putting drapes on either side is going to leave you with an excessive amount of fabric going all the way to the floor. It's going to draw attention to these weird little things. Let's let them recede into the background. Let's pretend they're not happening. How about that? Certainly let's not draw attention to them. Let me go to your next question. We need seating for at least four people, but we do have limited space. We're thinking a sectional to go along the window while facing both the fireplace and the TV. I've been struggling to find the correct size with two arms and not a chaise, which is even more limited because we want a sleeper sectional. Our family comes to visit often, so we need a good option for a sofa bed. We could go custom, but that's very pricey. Do you have suggestions on where to find such a sectional? What color should I choose if we did go with custom? I will tell you right now, in the retail market, there are such limited options for a sleeper sectional, especially what sounds like a U-shaped sleeper sectional, which is what you are looking at. The options are practically non-existent or they're very pricey. I'm worried if you did have another water issue down here, it would completely destroy this up to $5,000 investment. I instruct people who are looking for a good quality sleeper that doesn't cost them over $4,000 and is a sectional to um, instead do a sofa with chairs. I know that's not what you want to hear, but you're really not going to find too many options. Uh, I have looked and looked for many clients, and if and when I create my own furniture line, a good quality sleeper sectional is going to be the first on the list. However, it certainly will not be U-shaped because that is just a hulking thing. Are you sure that's what you want to do, especially in a relatively narrow room? I would challenge that and encourage you to drop that in a floor planner to make sure it's not going to just be overbearing in this space. Now, one store I would have you look at is a store called Love Sack, L-O-V-E-S-A-C. They have a modular sectional system that can be super loungy. Um, it can really change form and shape quite easily. All the pieces are sold separately. You can choose your own adventure. You can turn it in to just a big glorified bed with a properly placed ottoman because they make all these interchangeable pieces that create these huge rectangular formations. So check out Love Sack because I think it will give you that versatility should you change your mind or should you want this to be more of a flex space and not just always this massive entertaining U-shape thing. I challenge this idea. And I want you to think more deeply about it because sometimes when people want a U-shaped sectional that turns into a sleeper, you're basically just wanting a glorified upholstered pit 
right? And that doesn't necessarily make for a sophisticated looking space. Now, a basement doesn't have to be sophisticated. It could just be a fun lounge area, but you want to get clear on what the vibe is and what the function is, because once you add such a large sectional, the room really can't do much else. And you want to think about, you know, where are people putting their drinks? Where are people putting their book? Where are people putting their remotes? I want to make sure you have room for accent tables and just living. Uh, yeah. All right. So let me see here. We've been DIYing this entire project after bedtime that, oh, sorry. Whew. Okay. Oh, let me go back to your question. I get so lost in this upholstery pit. I think it's because I'm having a reaction because a lot of my clients want this. And I'm just like, really? Don't you want a gracious home where people could live versus just an upholstery pit? You've already heard me say this, but I want to get up on my high horse one more little time. In terms of the upholstery color, it's such a huge piece that you should not go with a Roy G. Biv color. You should go with a neutral. Again, I don't want too much gray in this room. It's going to start feeling cold and cave-like. So I do want you to infuse it with a warmer neutral, maybe more of that grayish since you do have that gray floor tile. To finish your email, you write... Betsy, I am sorry for the mess. Please excuse the pictures. We're hopefully going to have the carpeting installed soon. Thank you for your help. Amy, don't worry about the mess. I have seen places in all states and there's no judgment. Judgment-free zone. After working on literally thousands of spaces from apartments to homes to businesses, I have seen everything from rat infestations to hoarders to just general messiness. And uh, it's all in a day's work. But thanks for, uh, thanks for warning me. All right, guys, I hope you're having a wonderful week. If you do have questions for me, you know where to send them. Info at affordableinteriordesign.com. I'll be keeping my eye out for them. And until next week, talk to you soon. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.